And for me, I, we particularly like the month of May as a family because that's our wedding anniversary. So it kind of reminds us in terms of, so it's beautiful. You know, we start the month on the 5th and just go through the month every year. So the timing couldn't have been perfect. Thank you, sir. I was just teasing earlier on, on, on what I had said. Um, I just want us to just, just, I know we've prayed, but Father Lord, even as we go into the pages of your word, concerning this month and all that you've started with us, we ask Jesus that indeed your insights, Lord Jesus, the revelational knowledge that would heal homes, that would change lives, that would restore homes, that would elevate homes, God will be our portion in this month of May in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us, O God, as a family, as families, as a church, Lord, we ask that your presence, as we always say, will continually dwell in our homes in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so th th we thank God for the theme, you know, that has been laid in the hearts of the leadership of the church, a faithful and dependable family. And I thank God for um, Elder and our dear mommy Chaba last week you know, when they revealed the theme to us. And I had time to just, even, you know, just um, listen to that clip again. And it actually did, you know, lay the foundation of all that we would be talking about. And um, it was, there were lots of insights that I just pray that for every family that keys in, you know, indeed there will be refreshing times for all of us. Sunday was another beautiful time, you know, uh, beloved senior pastor, the topic, you know, and the testimonies that were shared, you know, is a testament, you know, that marriages actually do work. And if you look at the times that we're in now, there's so many dysfunctional families, there are challenged families, and um, there's, there's so much going on in our world. Like they say, you know, there's a high velocity of change. And in terms of how people are able to cope, various coping mechanisms, and what they do in terms of how they're able to ensure you know, that indeed they continue to build godly homes, continues to be challenged. And God will indeed, you know, help us. We're looking at the topic before us really is rocking the rules in the family. So I would just, you know, start and then Brother Joshua as well will come in and hopefully we'll take some questions and answers as we, as we go along in, 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 the, in, um, in, in the word of God. So the study is a continuation of our 2023 theme, like I said um, earlier on, and we've had time to look at what a family is, so I'm not going to you know, go back and belabor what is a family. But um, the teaching meeting last week and the message on Sunday did a lot, you know, to remind us and particularly, you know, godly families. I think we had a lot of insight as to what the fundamental, you know, the family is the fundamental um, building block of even the society. When, the, when you have components of units, um, family units that are well, you can imagine how healthy, you know, our nation would be. And that's why the devil... Is, has not stopped. I mean, we know what his mission is. He's always to steal, to kill, to destroy. And he knows where to attack. You know, he goes right to the core, to the very foundation, which is, you know, um, families. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's also, a, it's disheartening, but the grace of God, you know, is always made available. I want us to quickly look at Ephesians 5. I know that's a test that clearly, clearly defines, you know, um, God's vision, like I would say, for marriages. 
and it's very clear in terms of what um, the responsibilities and the role and the intent of what God meant, you know, when he established the family. I know we're very familiar with it and I'm, I'm sure this is not the last time we're going to be reading Ephesians 5. So I just want if anyone can just help us, Ephesians 5 from 21 to 33. I think it's important that we read that. And I know I've had time even last week when we unveiled at the Sunday school. We took time as well to go through Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 5 from verses 21 to 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the wood, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Ma. Thank you, Ma. Um, there, there are three key expectations, like we heard last week, that kind of sums it up. You know, it talks about submission. It talks about love, husband loving their wives, and obedience and honor, you know, coming from the children. Um, I just, as, as I was reflecting on today's topic, I said, you know, rocking the roles in the family. I think it's extremely important to even understand in depth, you know, what God's intent was when we were, I mean, in line with the spirit of Ephesians 5. And I started reflecting, and I'm sure it's not, it's for every woman, it's something we hear every woman, I mean, every female or women's function, you know, and I started reflecting on the word submission, just to really, you know, when we say submission, why, I mean, submission, actually in verse 21 that says, you know, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, you know, that's, that's at the core of it, it says submit to one another out of reverence for God. And I think there were three translations that actually used the same word, out of reverence, you know, for God. And I started looking at the word submission in more details. And I did go, you know, um, just looking at what the definition of submission was. And there were some that caught my fancy, you know, as I looked at it. And there are three of them. The first one, I mean, they're very familiar. The first one talked about submission as selflessness, which I know we've started talking about. He said selflessness. The second was service. And the third was accountability. And of course, respect for one another, respect for the partner. And so what does submission mean when we say selflessness? You know, what's the meaning of selflessness? Selflessness means you're more concerned. You're more concerned 
about, I like the way he said, you're more concerned about, sorry, I'm just trying to go back. Yeah, it says you're more concerned, you're you are more concerned with the needs of others than with ones, than with ones, i.e. your own needs. It sounds very, very plain. You know, what does it mean to be more concerned about ones, I mean, others' needs more than you? And you're looking at it from the lens of, you know, a marriage. And as we go on, I'll, we'll come back to that. He also talked about service. And I said, what is service? You know, service is the act of what? Helping or doing work for someone towards a common goal. You know, he talks a lot about service. So the selflessness. So when we use the word submission, it's important that we really understand because it's, at the, it, it, it's, it's, it's the foundation. And when that understanding is there by both partners, it actually helps to start shaping the kind of home, the kind of vision, you know, that the family needs to have. So we talked about, I mean, I talked about, I looked at service as well. It talks about the act of helping or doing work for someone, you know, or towards something. And the last word there, there were many definitions of what submission is. These were the three, you know. The third one was self-accountability. Self-accountability. And it says, it means you are taking responsibilities for your own actions. Taking responsibility for your own actions, not blaming others. It further means fulfilling your obligations, your tasks, and your goals. So anytime we talk about submission, because that word submission, I can tell you it's been somewhat abused. I think there's been a lot more focus around the outward appearance of what submission is. I remember growing up, we used to have these neighbors, you know, and they were always, you know, at each other's throat. And but you see, you know, when they're outside, the woman, we go, ah, they're Yorubas, you know, and you know Yorubas have a way of going on about all the greetings. And, you know, they will go and say, ah, ekbelema, ekbelesa. And as soon as the man turns, he will say, ala kori, you know, and, you know, ala kori means somebody who is just um, a loafer, you know. And, you know, there was, there's so much about, you know, the kneeling down, the bending and all those things. But the heart is so, so far away. So as I began to look at what submission meant, you know, and I said submission is about selflessness, is about service, and it's about self-accountability. So if you step back, and we're talking about rocking the roles in the family, Rocking the rules in the family. These are the building blocks. Last week, both Reverend and uh, Elder as well and our mommy did talk a lot, you know, about efficiency, part of it. And, you know, so it's extremely important as we begin to build on when we say wives submit or both of us submit to one another. What we're saying is that serve one another. That's what that is saying. That's what it means. Serve one another. Help one another. Be accountable to one another. Be selfless to one another. Think more about the other partner than yourself. So that's what submission is. Submission is not one and it's not one-sided. And that's why that Ephesians 21 started. You know, it was very clear when he started and said, submit to one another out of reverence, out of reverence for Christ. And so as I looked at these three things, so anytime I think about submission, I'm thinking about selflessness, I'm thinking about accountability, self-accountability and accountability to one another, and I'm also thinking about service. But you see, at the heart of it, you know, at the heart of it is love. 
So when we start talking about rocking the roles in the family, the topic sounded very controversial. And like I told Elder, I said, I'm not sure if I'm the best person to, you know, in, to, 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 to have this, um, 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 I mean, to, 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 to come talk about this topic. I said, I'm not sure how credible, you know, I would be in this regard. But I trust, which, I, I mean, I'm trusting that God will help us because it's the Holy Spirit as well that actually will reveal, you know, all things and, you know, bring insights into some of the learnings that God has planned for us in terms of how he wants to elevate our homes and elevate our marriages. And so the core of fundamental, of, I mean, the fundamental thing around the Christian marriage is built on love. And love is so powerful. If you think about most of the movies and all the things people do, it's centered around, around love. You know, love is so strong. Even the Bible acknowledges it. The three things do ab 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 abide. But the greatest of them all is what? Is love. So before we get into rocking, it's important that we understand these building blocks in terms of what it means to submit to one another. It means I'm self-accountable to my partner. It means I, I need to be selfless. I need to serve. And that's why when you go to the next verse in verse 22, you know, we started unpacking each of the roles of the family. The submitting to one another, it's fundamental. When you go to verse 22 that our mommy read, you know, and that's where it starts addressing women. And it starts addressing women in verse 22. And that verse 22, it narrows it down to us as women. And I'll give perspective as well, of course, being a woman as well. And it's, as I, as I reflected more on submission, and the more I read, the more I grew as well in marriage. I mean, we're 22 years in marriage, we're 22 years last week in marriage. And it's been a journey as well. And as I, re I realized... You know, and in those days, I know when we were in school, people used to joke about, they, they had a joke about, oh, it was easy now for those days for women to submit to their husbands and all that because there was so much dependency, you know, on the men at that time. So they probably didn't have a choice, even though that's fallacy, you know, because submission is not about, it's not a, it's not a materialistic um, event that breeds submission. But it's a journey. And I realized that God took time to emphasize to us as women. So as I grew, I started realizing that actually submission requires a great deal of personal strength of character. Submission is actually a strength. It's not a weakness. It is a strength. It's a strength of character. You know, and you can see today, you know, people would joke and say, you send the boy and the girl to the same school. They're both in school. Sometimes the girls even do better when they're in school. They come out and of course, maybe love happens, Christ happens, they get married. And, you know, they're, they're, and the guy wants to start going the old traditional way in which his parents or his father, you know, had, had, had left their home. So you begin to see that rocky feeling you know, happening. But the foundation is very important. Regardless, there's some timeless principles, whether we're in generation Z or Y or A or Alpha, there's some timeless principles. And that's why, you know, the word of God is same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's important that even in modern times, eh, submission is a key requirement it's a key requirement. So the fact that, so it's important I'm laying this down, you know, it, uh, so that we can, as we, as, 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 as we move on. So submission requires a great deal of personal strength of character. You know, submission in marriage is a spirit of respect that the wife 
has towards her husband's leadership. It is not a function of wealth. It is not a function of money. It is not a function of um, education. It's not a function of um, having. It's, 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 it's the delight of the Lord, you know. And um, it's something that every woman should see as a strength rather than a weakness. And for me, when I started seeing that, it kind of helped. It was a paradigm shift for me in terms of the mindset. I'm not there. It's a journey, you know. I mean, there are times that triggers here and there. But it actually helps when you begin to see it that way. Even the people of the world know that. There's a lady, some of us may know her, Indra Nui. That's the former CEO of Pepsi, you know, one of the Fortune 100 companies in America. Of course, Pepsi, PepsiCo, we all know PepsiCo, very big multinational company. And she emerged as the CEO. I mean, she's an Indian lady. She, she, was, based in, she was based in the States. And she, did, she lives with her mom. Her mom lives with her. And of course, successful, very, very successful woman. You know, and she got home that day excitedly. You know, she was so excited to come and break her news, you know, to the family. Meanwhile, the mother had been waiting because she was coming back very late. The mother had been waiting, but we probably know the story. You know, and as she packed into the garage, you know, her mother came and said, why are you just coming back? And she said, oh, I have a great news for you. I've just been promoted. I've just been promoted as the vice president, you know, of the, of, of, you know, of PepsiCo or maybe the chair of PepsiCo at that time. And the mother turned and looked at her and said, you see, when you come into this home, You've got to leave your crown at the garage. Leave your crown at the garage. I need you now to go fetch, um, I think they needed milk or some groceries, you know, at that time. Because probably the kids and all that. And, you know, even though, you know, and I kept reflecting, leave your crown at the garage. And that's what causes sometimes in relationships. You know, like I gave the example of two people, they started well, same class of degree, same education, doing very well. Probably the lady is even doing better. You get married and that friction begins to happen because of the way submission is being defined traditionally and also in the eyes of the world today. So, but if there's an understanding that when, you know, the Lord is talking about submission, you know, submission in the Bible, it's an act, it's a call to selflessness. It's a call to self-accountability. It's a call to service. And so for women, and when, I, when you begin to see submission, I'm sure my husband will be listening and wondering, you know, when you begin to see submission as a strength rather than weakness, it actually helps. It helps. You know, it helps in your submission as well. And that is still, it's still, it's still um, a requirement for every Christian home because the husband, and as we go down in that efficiency, you will see that the husband's leadership hasn't, should, hasn't changed, hasn't moved. But what is, what's about, but let, let's get back to our, to our theme. I'm also quite mindful of the time, you know, as we go on, because I know Brother, Brother Joshua is going to come up very, very soon. But I thought, just thought it was important to, you know, to, to, to lay that. So if you look at verse 22, it says, Wives, submit, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the, sorry, it says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. 
And then he goes further and says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with, you know, with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. To present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So, you know, it's very clear. The generation or times that we're in doesn't change that. It's extremely, it's, it's extremely important, you know. And as, as, I, as I looked at this as well, part of my reflections as well, you know, in the light of the word, I said, you know, when we talk about Amos 3.3, we say a lot about can two walk together except they agree. I love the translation of NLT. It says, except they, I think it's NLT if I'm not wrong, except they set a direction in which they should go. Except they set a direction, you know, in which they should go. And as you begin to reflect on that, now we're talking about different roles. I mean, we're getting into the roles of the family. It's extremely important when the Bible talks about husband loving your wife, presenting her as a bride that is blameless, you know, without any form of blemish. And when, we, when, 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 when I pondered on that, you know, it's all about cultivation, you know, cultivating your woman, cultivating your woman and having a vision as a family. The first vision is we said we want to make heaven. You know, this marriage must, none of us will be drawn back to perdition, you know. And it is extremely important when the Bible talks about that leadership role that he has placed on the man. You know, it's extremely important that that, that that fulfillment is happening within the family. But having said that, we know there are families that are challenged as well. We know there are dysfunctional families. We know the times that we're in now, you know, it calls for a lot of practicality. So I, I'm, I'm here talking about helping, submission, service, and all that. So what does that mean? Because every family is unique. At the heart of every family is unique. And the uniqueness of the family determines the roles that would be carved out from that family. You know? So they're the traditional roles where we know the husband is the heir, the wife, and the children, and all that. But there are times whereby you know, that's not the case, depending on how the family structure is. We have families today that we have families, maybe one parent is no more. You know, like pastor said, some intentional, some unintentional consequences that has happened, some accidental, some not accidental, you know. So, so, there's a, so you can't say and say, oh, because, you know, the husband is the head. There are times that, you know, sometimes due to the conditions and challenges of life, you know, roles do, roles do change. And as a result of that, does that mean that um, if I take my, if I take our, uh, uh, if I, uh, and I'm trying to be vulnerable a bit now, so I have a very busy, 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 busy schedule. My husband has a more flexible schedule. And that has helped us immensely in our relationship. I know at work sometimes when they come and say, oh, how have you been able to X, Y, Z? You know, how have you been able to grow? I normally tell them, if God hasn't blessed me with the kind of man that I had, it wouldn't have worked. There's no way. And that's why today in the corporate world, when you see women who are successful, it's two things. If you're not in Christ, or maybe sometimes if the marriage alignment isn't there, it's either the marriage has packed. Is it that the marriage has packed? That's why sometimes you have a number of single people at the top. 
You know, one of the blessings I have, if I share my story, is the blessing of my husband. You know, he's, I normally say he's my number one cheerleader. He's my number one fan. You know, and honestly, it wouldn't have worked if the attributes of submitting one to another in line with verses 21, like we read, hasn't happened. Is somebody who is, you know, when you talk about selflessness, I'm not here to, to talk about it, but I'm just, just making this very practical. You know, is when you talk about selflessness, when you talk about service, and just filling in the gap. So there's, marriage is meant to be complementary. It's meant to be complementary. And we have the vision as to what kind of home we wanted to have. And it takes two. And that's why Amos 3 is very crucial as well. It says, can two work together? except they agree. So alignment of goals would actually determine some of the roles that either the husband or the wife needs to play in the family. There are times that work takes you out. There are times work takes you out. Somebody is filling that gap. And there are times that, you know, it switches depending on what schedule. So, so it, it's extremely important that when we talk about a Christian home, it's the traditional mindsets needs to be deactivated in some regard. It needs to be deactivated in some regard. I have, I've seen men who cook for their wives. One, they probably enjoy cooking. It's a passion. So if the tradition says, oh, because the man shouldn't be the one cooking, and even that man has the greatest skills in cooking, you know, people will say chef daddy. You know, what happens? So it's, it's a coming together in terms of sharing common goals and common alignments. And that's why the rudiments of um, Ephesians 21, I mean Ephesians 5, as we read, it's, 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 centered around, it's centered around love. Because if you love each other, the things, the lens that we bring to some of the conversations, who is doing what? Who is bringing the money? Who is doing the dishes? Who is doing the cook? Who is doing that? I mean, if you go across the territories, you see the way husband and wives lives across. I mean, we have a number of people. I mean, we all, we all have connections offshore. And you see the way they live their lives. Sometimes it's the husband picking the kids because their schedule is all around each other. And nobody's even thinking about I'm inferior or I'm superior. Because the love, you know, love is at the heart of it. Um, um, so so as, as I, 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 I know there's certain questions that I would like to take. But I also want to pause, because I, I note the time as well, for Brother Joshua to come up, and then collectively we would, um, we would, we would, we would take this. So for me, just summarizing this session, is just having an understanding of what the true essence and meaning of submission is. It's, if there's anything we want to take away tonight, it's just knowing that it's a life of selflessness, it's a life of service, and it's a life of self-accountability within the confines of the family. Praise the Lord. Good evening, everyone. Am I audible enough? Okay, we thank God for the session so far. Thank God for an opportunity to sit down and talking about the topic, rocking the roles in the family. Uh, I'm glad she came first. At least she made the work easier for me. It's just for me to build on what she has said, right? 
So I want to start by talking about, I want to start from the scriptural text she mentioned, Amos 3.3. And if you can, please, can you help me uh, put it on the screen? Amos 3.3, the NLT version. Thank you. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? So for me, that's where I want to start, the direction. So there is a need for direction. And the direction has to be mutual. You can't be going two opposite ways. It has to be agreed. So for two people to work together for a long time, there must be a common goal. There must be a common goal. And interestingly, God has actually set that direction for us. He said a faithful and dependable family. That's God's intention. That's what God wants to do. That's what God wants to do with our marriage, our marriages. That's what he wants to do with our families. He wants to raise a faithful and dependable family. That will be a symbol of pride for God in the world. That will challenge other families of the world. That will become a symbol that others can look out to and say, okay, if these guys can do it, I think we can do it as well. So it's, it starts with a common goal. And as Christians, the common goal is for us to raise a family God can be proud of. So how to do that? That's what we can learn. But that's where it starts. Uh, I want to start off by talking about roles. I'm, I'm sure we all know what roles are. Uh, let me talk about roles from the perspective of functions, tasks, responsibilities. Right? We can use any other word, but it has to do with roles, uh, it has to do with responsibility, function, and task assigned to a position. So imagine a in the corporate world, uh, every organization has a purpose, has a reason for uh, being established. It could be profits, it could be for profit, it could be probably for saving lives. We see that in the hospitals. It's not every organization that is geared towards making profit, right? So if that is the case, there's a common goal and for them to actualize or realize that goal, there are some things they have to put in place. They can't do it all by themselves. So I mean the founder or the MD or the CEO can't do it all by themselves. So what do they do most times? They create roles. Ideally, if we are to do it by ourselves, it's possible, right? But it's going to be stressful. It's going to be overwhelming. To make life easy, what do we do? We create roles. And most times, what do companies do? They advertise for roles in case there's a vacancy within the organization. They advertise for roles. And anybody that fits that role comes in. But the point I want to make there is when that person joins that organization, the person is not coming there to dictate or start his own vision. He has to work in line with the vision of that organization. So you don't just come into an organization and start doing it your way. Or if you do that, you're going to have a problem with the owner of that organization and then that person is out. So there, are, there has to be a common goal. If the person does not work with the common goal, he's going to leave that organization. And that has to do with the family. When we start seeing the purpose of, our being, uh, of coming together as 
uh, we have a goal. We have a big picture. We have, there's something we are trying to walk towards. Not my own goal. Not his own goal. But we have come together to build something that is going to be of benefit for everyone. Then we can actually uh, be able to play our roles without much problems. Praise the name of the Lord. So like I said, so roles are important. But much more we need to understand that those roles are meant to be played because there is a goal. There is a goal. God in his infinite mercy is depending on us as Christians. He wants to use us as channels of blessings to the world. And for him to achieve that, he has to give us responsibilities. And I, I want to stress this. The first responsibility or role we have to play as family is to God. Because interestingly, God created a family, he created marriage, not for us, but for himself. He has a purpose in his heart. And for him to achieve that purpose, yes, we come into marriages for our different purposes, right? For different reasons. But ultimately, God's intention is to use that marriage to achieve his purpose and beyond that, to be a blessing to the world. God said about Abraham, he said, I have found a man that I know, I am convinced about, that he's going to teach his children my ways. So ultimately, that's God's purpose. He wants to raise a family, he wants to build a marriage that ultimately he can use to achieve his goals and objectives. And except we align with that purpose, we're going to have issues down the line. Because if we don't keep our focus on that goal, we start thinking about ourselves. We start thinking about what I want to achieve in this marriage. What's going to become of this marriage within our own perspectives. So that's what I actually want to first establish. There is a common goal. There's a goal. God has a goal. And that goal is to use us, use our marriages to be a blessing to the world. Beyond that, he wants us, through us, raise godly offspring that will continue to advance kingdom, culture everywhere. Praise the name of the Lord. So having said that, about roles, uh, so what are those things we are supposed to focus on? Let's look at the traditional uh, roles of husband and wives in the marriage. Of course, she has said a lot about the roles. Uh, some of these roles, if we look at them critically, they, they are shared to us by culture, sometimes by uh, nature. Of course, I don't, you don't expect a woman, uh, a man to come and give birth to a child, right? So we don't need to define that. That is already stated. And, but sometimes some of these things are defined by culture. But we want to look at it in the light of the scriptures. What's are those things God expects the husband to do? And what are those things God expects the wife to do? But please bear it in mind. The reason why we have these roles divided is because if everybody is playing the same role, there will be issues, right? Sometimes you might feel threatened when someone is playing a role that you think is yours. I don't know whether you've experienced that. But the reason why it's divided is so that everybody knows what to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. So I can be held accountable for that. And you know what you're supposed to do. That's the essence of these defined roles. And sometimes God wants 
us to play in the area of our strengths. Don't mind you, what we are talking about is rocking the role. I'm going to come back to that side of rocking the role. So what are the roles of the husband? The husband is responsible for leading his family in faith and spirituality. She talked about that, the place of leadership. Uh, very early in my marriage, uh, God showed me. I had a dream, and in that dream, I was driving. Uh, I was driving. My wife was in the car. And then we got to a junction popularly called Igwefon, bus stop. I don't know if you know that place. Right there, in the dream, I saw I was no longer in the car. I was outside, and I was holding the steering of the, of the car. My wife was inside, with, inside the car. And I was like, what is the meaning of this dream? What does God, what is God talking about? And I, I need to confess to you that I saw it from the perspective of leadership. Ah, God has given me the steering to, to always steer the, the car the way I want and all that. But of course, I saw God talking to me about direction. I have a responsibility to provide direction for my family. And to a large, to a long, uh, for a longest uh, time, I was thinking about it from my own responsibility until God made me to understand that. What about the car? The car, without the car, where would the steering fit in? How would the steering function? So God made me to understand that. That car is much even important. Of course, that's where you find comfort. Imagine me holding steering all around in the sun and all that. What do I tend to achieve? But God made me to understand that much more, my wife also has a responsibility. What makes life work is when the steering comes back into the car and we walk together. That's where we can build something meaningful. So I learned this thing early in life. So I have a function. She has a function. So it's not just about me. It's about her. It's about all of us, the two of us in the game. So the husband is responsible for providing spiritual leadership. And that speaks to prayer. That speaks to teaching the word of God. And that speaks to uh, Fellowshipping with God together. Expected to provide for the financial and material needs of the family. And I think this is where we dwell on most of the time. And she has talked about that. And she has talked about that. He's supposed to be a protector, expected to protect his family from physical, emotional, and spiritual harm. I would like to say this. I'm, I'm sure most ladies... And I mean, those that are unmarried, usually they want to marry a man that is tall, hefty, because of this protection we are talking about. But that's just protect, physical protection. What if that person cannot protect you from spiritual harm? What do you do? So we need to understand that God has given man that responsibility. Uh, the uh, responsibility of headship. So, what does the head do? Let's just look at head physically. So, we have the eyes, right? Which is for providing direction. Within the head sits the brain, right? Within the head, it's, of course, there is no identity without the head. Is there? Can we place any idea? Of course. So, those are the roles. So, for a family to function effectively, God, is in his infinite mercy, has actually put the man as the head to provide direction, to uh, provide identity to the family, 
and most importantly, to help the family in divining plans, visions, and direction. Lastly, in mentoring families, I'm just trying to go through the rules so that we understand this. The woman, God has given the responsibility of being a homemaker in a home. So he's expected to take care of the home and ensure it is a comfortable, clean, and safe place. Of course, that's the desire of everyone. Uh, a caretaker, the wife is responsible for taking care of the children, including their physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. The woman is also expected to be a supporter and a nurturer. So there are clearly defined roles in the family. And these are beautiful. Of course, if we don't know our responsibility, then we won't know how to function. But now that we know how to find roles, does that mean I have to hold on rigidly to my, to my own role? Is that what the Bible is teaching? Is that what the Bible is prescribing? Far from it. And I want to use this illustration to demonstrate what I mean. I love football. Or I should say I used to, I used to watch a lot of football matches. When I was a teenager, I used to watch matches. But because my team lost most of the time, of course, I watched Nigerian matches, and I got tired of watching. I'm, I'm sure many of us are in that show. Because of that, I stopped watching football. I still watch football, though, but highlights. Because I, I, that, by that time, I know I have seen the results. It's just for me to know what happened. And in football, if you understand, there are clearly defined roles, Right? So we have the goalkeepers, we have the defenders, we have midfielders, and then we have the strikers. So these guys must play their roles for the team to achieve their common goal. Don't forget, there's a common goal. The common goal for every team is to win. It's to win a match. So if they all play their roles well, the team wins. Hopefully, it does not happen most of the time. But for a team to, what we have found out is that for a team to actually win, it's not just about you holding on to your uh, defined roles. It's not just for the defender just doing his own part and say, ah, I can't defend. It's much more than that. So it's, first of all, the team must know there is a goal. The goal is to win. I will do it. Is Yes, I'm going to do my part. But if my partner here is weak, if my partner is not able to do or perform his own duty, I should be able to help. And that's why you see these days, the defenders also score when strikers are not scoring. The reason why the defender can score is because he is at the right place at the right time. We did not say because it's not his role to, to score, he shouldn't score. And that's the same thing I think we need to start looking at with the concept of marriage. God has given us a responsibility. We have a common goal. We have a direction. God wants us to achieve something together. And for us to achieve that thing together, we need to look beyond just saying, ah, you are the father of the house, so you must provide the money all the time. So what happens when the father of the house or the husband of the house is sick? What happens when he's out of job? What do we do? The family is stranded because of that. What happens when the homemaker probably is busy at work? Or he's probably down? Should we or hospitalize? It happens, right? What should we do in that situation? Because we have said that is our own defined role. So um, as a matter of fact, we need to start rethinking roles 
not, and I, I need to stress it. We need to, before I stress it, we need to start looking at roles uh, beyond what has been naturally or probably shared to us. We need to start looking at how we can achieve that same goal together. In football and in everything that has to do with teamwork, it's not just about me. It's not about this is my role. It's about what do we want to achieve together? How can I help this person when it's down? When this person is weak, how can I help the person to be strong? That is what God has called us to. And that's the role we are talking about. Now to stress it. Sometimes it's possible for us to tell because we are working as a team, then the other person decides to say, ah, we are team players now. Okay, I won't do my part. I know he will do his own part. He will do it for me. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I already know that this is my own role. I'm supposed to make this available. But because the wife is so loving and so good, she's always doing it for me. And then I relax. We must also be careful with such things. The fact that someone is helping us out does not mean, because it's going to get to a time that the person will be worn out, will be overwhelmed, and that creates issues. So I see God saying, we want to achieve an uh, effectful and dependable family. And if we are going to do that, we are going to do it together as a team. I'm going to play my role. You are going to play your role. But when you are down, I will be there for you. When I'm down, you will be there for me. You will be there to play that role with a loving heart. If we can achieve that, then I, I think God will be happy. And then we can achieve God's purpose. If we are going to be different from those that are not Christians, this is the approach we must have. I've talked about football. I've talked about, see, there are teams that also work beyond football. It's not just in football. But most successful football teams today have learned that you can't just hold on to your own traditional role and say, oh, that's it. They have learned that they have to cover up. You have to press forward. A defender is supposed to be at the back. Uh, in football, so there's this, uh, there, there, there's a player called Roberto Carlos, and I think he started that role. Roberto Carlos, uh, Roberto Carlos plays at the back. He's supposed to be a defender. But he has a grace of always pushing ball to the front. And when he does that, he creates chances of first scoring. And because he was working for the team, do you know what the coach had to do? Whenever this guy steps forward, someone has to go and come and cover for him. Because he's using his own skills, his strength to help the team. So why should you stop the person? Why should you say, no, 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 go to the back. Don't even do that. Don't do that. No. We need to learn from these people. We need to learn from team uh, that's successful, how, how they go about doing things. And if we understand this, this is going to help us. We need to start thinking beyond just, I'm the head of the family. And because of that, I can't wash plates. I'm the head of the family. I cannot mop the floor. I cannot change diaper. We need to learn it. If you have not learned it, learn it. At one point or the other, I believe my fathers are here. I've done it. You have to do it. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. So lastly, I want to use the Rechabite family to conclude my conversation. We know about the Rechabites. Their father instructed them. 
Don't take wine. It doesn't matter who tells you. It doesn't matter who teaches you. It doesn't matter who prophesies about it to you. Don't take wine. These guys, they took it from one generation to another generation, communicating it down the line, telling them what their father told them. And they kept and they were faithful to it. I need to stress this, that our world is changing every day. And so many things are creeping into the church. So many things are creeping uh, into the families. But God wants us to see, stand true to him, to be faithful to him. And not just us. He wants us to be able to pass it across to our children. And then our children pass it across to others. Yes, the principle of serving God, but also the principle of raising a healthy family. God wants us to also teach our families, to teach our children. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Brother Kolade and uh, Sister Toyin. We have some questions. Uh, we'll be taking them, and uh, we'd like you to attend to them as they come. I, I hope you have your mic with you. Okay. Brother Kolade, you need to take them. Would it not be better if you, if you move up there? Or, yeah, I think you should just move up there. Yeah. Can have two chairs. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, let me take the first question. My wife's thinking is that what I earn is the money that I should use for the family. But what she earns is her own money. Isn't this coming from the same traditional mindset that we should depart from? The husband is asking a question. The money he earns is the family's money. But the money the wife earns is her money. How do, we, how do we handle this? Okay. Um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll respond to that. And thank you, thank you for that question. I know it's a question that gets asked as well. Um, the Bible says that the man and the woman, you know, there's a coming together. Huh? And there's a coming together. And the particular verse I'm looking for is that um, the two shall become one. And one is in everything, is in everything. And that's why the Bible says the man and the woman, woman, they were naked and they were what? They were not ashamed. So it cuts across everything, your finances, your, just think about it in terms of how you support each other. So, um, and I know particularly women, maybe we're a bit guilty of this. 
But I always also find it strange, you know, because we said love is at the heart of everything. If you see yourself as one, and I know both of us did talk about the vision of the family, there can't be any form of, um, and I'm being as practical and, and blunt as I can be, you know, um, I think transparency is something that has helped us in our marriage. There's no Mr. X or Mrs. Y's fund. It's the family's fund. And that's why when the Bible says that one will chase how many? A thousand. But two will do what? Which is ten thousand. And you see, one family is glowing more than the other because the dependency on one, whereas the 0.5 or whatever that amount is, is being hidden. So scripturally as well, um, I'm not sure that's um, totally aligned with um, scripture. So that's the way I would um, answer that question. It's one fund, one family fund, and there's got to be transparency, regardless of the quantum. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, the next question is, how can a man who was not trained in cooking, homemaking, etc., at home, um, my wife is not willing to understand that these are my sh that I have shortcomings in this area. If I ask my wife to tell me what I can do to help, she will say, "Just look around, and you'll see what to do." <laughs> look around and see. Okay. That's an interesting one. But I can like, you want to go? Okay. It's very interesting because. Just like Nicodemus said, he said, how, how can I be born again now that I am old? Am I going to go back to my mother's womb? So it's, you look at it from, and that's why we need to start addressing for the male child as well. We need to get them involved in home activities. So it shouldn't just be the girl child, right? But now that it has happened, she spoke to... She said, depending on the unique activities as a unique uh, situation of that family. So in this family, this man is not gifted in the area of cooking. Are you going to send him to cooking school? Absolutely not. But over time, if he's desirous, if he really, really wants to help, he's going to learn. I didn't know how to cook myself until I got into university, right? And because I needed to eat, I learned. So in the course of our mutual relationship, of course we can be, we can learn how to do one or two things. So I, I think for that man, he needs to be willing to start small. That's the word. Start small. Start learning. If it is uh, rice like a boy, start from there. If it is Gary, you can start from there. Over, because it will happen. And this has happened to me, really. I once went to my aunt's place and my aunts believed that I could turn Amala, I can prepare Amala. And I also wanted to show that I can, I can do it. She was not in the house, and she wanted me to make Amala for her children. So I had to call my mom. And I started asking, how would I make Amala? That was a very, I had a very disastrous experience, though. But that experience made me to start learning. So we can start where we are. We'll make mistakes because one day, what if the wife is not available to make the food or to even keep the house and you have children around? Are they going to suffer? 
So I think we can, we can learn along the way. Thank you. I just wanted to add to that, you know, roles are complementary, and I think that understanding is important for both couples, and we've got to play along our strengths. So the fact that probably that sister has a friend whose husband cooks doesn't naturally mean that the same thing needs to happen at home. So I think it's also important in terms of how we benchmark our spouses, because I'm sure if you do the pros and cons, there are a million and one things that the other spouse probably does not do, which would not be told. So that's one. But having said that, you know, love is so important. If the husband also knows that this is a sore spot in our relationship, you know, the intentionality, because there's nothing that cannot be learned. Today, it's even easier with YouTube. You can do anything. I mean, you can learn anything. So if it's such a pain for the woman and the husband really feels, ah, this woman, I would gain more. I would enjoy my relationship more then it's a challenge that the woman has put forth. But again, women need to be careful in terms of how we benchmark our spouses because we need to complement each other. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I actually have an experience of uh, a, a friend that we used to joke that if he boils water, the water will burn. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he, he doesn't, when it comes to the kitchen or anything like that, if you ask him to go and boil with water, your pot, we, we go for it. <laughs> yeah. We have another question here. What can a wife do in a situation where her husband has lost his job, he stays at home, but he expects his wife to go, who goes to work, to come home and do the cooking, take care of the house, and do the cleaning? What can we do? And then, just like my friend who doesn't know how to boil even water. How, how can that person be helped? Persons that can't boil water. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there are two questions in one. Yes. I think there's a follow-on to the first one. Yes, please. In terms of your friend who can't be helped. You know, as you grow in marriage, eh, the way, and this is my experience, we have more experienced daddies and mommies in the house, and it would be nice to get thoughts as well from them. You know, the way I see this is, as long as the core is intact, as you grow, you get to a level of acceptance. You know, you get to a level of acceptance. As long as the foundation, you know, is, 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 is intact. So, so whether he can cook, he can't cook, you know, that, that's secondary. You know, but if a man who fears God, a man who loves God, a man who cultivates you, a man who, you know... Like Ephesians said, you know, preparing you like a bride without blemish, making sure that your journey to heaven is right. So if he cannot, if cooking is his own fun, then that, that's, that's, I think you have to get to a level as well of acceptance if you can be helped. But like I said, everybody can be helped. But it's very important, and this is one of the things happening now, in terms of the reorientation of how we're breeding our children. And I know Brother Joshua did talk about it. And when you do a lot of survey today, as by, people talk a lot about marriages, you know, we have many young marriages now being challenged. And it's sometimes it's as a result of even basic things like this, where, you know, the woman is the one who is, you know, the breadwinner because of the roles have changed. And the man's expectation, you know, is still as hard, like the traditional mindset, which we did talk about. So you begin to see the friction, you know, happening. But in Christ... I would end with Galatians. I think it's Galatians 3.28. There is no Jew. There is no male. 
there is no female, you know, we're all, I mean, we're equal. And I say that, I say that carefully, you know, we're equal. And that's why Jesus submitted to the will of his father. Even though John 1, 1 recognizes that they were equal, you know, he says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was, I mean, the word was with God and the word was God, you know, but he submitted to the will of his father. So there's, in as much as we play the inequality, there's also that mindset that we need to constantly, you know, um, wear in our marriages. And that helps as well in terms of what we can take on and what we can do with our partner. Okay, just to add to what she just said, uh, I think it's very important that they both sit down and find ways around this, right? So the fact that the husband is not working and sits at home, there will be rules at home that he can actually fit into. It could be probably picking the kids or helping out the kids and all that. But much more, I think they can also think about, see, if the husband cannot cook, of course, the family must eat, right? So what stops them from thinking about, okay, maybe during weekends, let's cook and put it in the freezer. At least if you can't cook, you can microwave, you can, right? So it's just a way of sitting down and finding ways around this. That would be my suggestion. Uh, there's another question here. Practically speaking, what are the goal or objective of marriage that the husband and wife follows in respect of Amos 33, aside from the spiritual uh, reason? And if you have questions, uh, you are in here, you can also uh, raise up, lift up your hand so that we can call you. So can, can you, can you, do I go through this again? Or oh, you get it? I think, sorry, sir, if you can just recap. Okay. Practically speaking, what are the goal or objective of marriage that the husband and wife follows in respect of Amos 33? That is, aside from the spiritual reason, can two work together except they agree? What are the other practical things that a marriage should follow to be successful apart from the spiritual part? Praise the Lord. I believe Brother Joshua did talk about that um, slightly when he did talk. I guess this person is saying, we know we want to make heaven. Let's take away the spirituality while we're on earth. You know, the Bible says that God has blessed us with all that we need for life and godliness. That's very clear. And I believe um, a couple needs to have a vision. What kind of family do you want to breed? What do you want to be known for? And it was very clear that it's twofold. You know, why, why are we together? What's the purpose of our coming together? And that's why I said, I believe, Brother Joshua, you did mention that. Why are we together? And secondly, what do we want our children to look like? What do we want to achieve? You know, whether it's in the secular world, with our extended families, with the church. Because sometimes we forget. I really love the message on Sunday. Sometimes we forget the church as well. It's an outreach. Some of us cannot, you know, be everywhere at every time. But the church is also another channel, you know, of evangelism, another channel of impacting lives, you know. So what's our commitment, you know, to the church as well? What's our commitment to our families, better extended, you know, what do we want to be known for? We talk a lot about make your mark, you know, what's our legacy as a family? Maybe some of us, you are the light of that family, what do you want to change? You know, not just in your nuclear family, in your extended family as well. And it takes a lot of intentionality. So it's the financial planning, it's the education of the children, it's the quality of, you know, um, the kind of um, 
life and home that you want to breed as well. So obviously, there are a lot of things that you, are, you can have a vision for and you can set a direction as to what you want to do you know, with your family. There are families I know today who have said they want to leave a trust fund for their grandchildren. You know, I have, I, have, I have people who say that. Sometimes it's also because they're afraid of the children that they bred. But the people who say this is what we want to commit. And I know a family whose third generation is still benefiting from, the third, from the, that trust fund. So that's a vision. So the vision was all my offspring would be educated. The money is not for anything. You pay directly to the school. So there are a lot of things that you can do beyond the fact that, of course, our marriage should make us make heaven. But I know the question has said, that's given. But what else can we do while we're on earth? So I would answer that question. There's a whole lot that you can do within the community, within the family, and the kind of role modeling that you want to do in changing our generation. And these are times that we do not have enough role models. Yeah, I think we discussed this at our house fellowship on Sunday. You know, we need to breed more role model families that even the younger generations can keep looking up to. So there are many definitions or visions that you can have around what that family, it's not just a husband and wife, you know, just ticking and, you know, ticking the bus and enduring your marriage. Marriage is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant, it's a beautiful thing. And um, if it is aligned with the will and purpose of God, where there's submission on both parts to each other and to God, it can only be beautiful. And they're beautiful marriages. We just pray that we have more. And our marriages as well will be elevated in, and refreshing times will happen to many homes that are being challenged. In Jesus' name. Do we have question in-house there? If you have questions, please you can just uh, signify so that we call you. Why are you thinking of that? How do we help uh, a spouse where, um, for instance, the 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 mother or the woman of the house feels that the kitchen belongs to me and each time you come to the kitchen you mess up my kitchen or the city room is uh, you try to clean you say oh there's dirt or all over the place see where you have uh, you have clean and everywhere is everywhere is dirty so how do you how do you handle this how do you help the partner who is always messing up the kitchen so that uh, you, you also train the person to stop messing up the kitchen or you live with the messing or what, how, do you do, how do you do that? Okay, sir. So if I get that, so it's not that the partner is trying to help out in the kitchen. It's not that the partner is trying to help out in the sitting room, right? He's helping out. He's helping out. Yes. But, but he's not doing it as excellently as uh, he or she is supposed to do it. Wow, that's, that's huge. Uh, sincerely, uh, we've talked about the place of helping, and helping one another, right? So you, you look at it from the perspective of that person is trying to help. If you doubt that person's spirit, don't come and complain next time. So I think we, we, the, the partner needs to look at it from that place. At least he's trying. Sincerely, this has actually happened to me. Uh, sometimes I try to help my wife. And then she says, ah, you didn't do it well. For me, I will shut down. I won't even try it again. Okay, you, you are the one that can do it better. Keep to it. But like, like uh, I said, it has to be a place of understanding. Of course, just imagine our children. 
what we try to teach them to, and you know they say mothers are, wives are mothers, right? Even mothers to the husband. Imagine our children, if we ask them to do some things, they mess up. They don't get it right the first time. We need to keep encouraging them. Except you are saying that husband is not learning. But as long as he's making efforts, he should be encouraged. I'll just add that communication is important as well. <laughs> In marriage, yes. It's extremely important as we talk about this. Okay. okay. One more question here. So I want to find out what we need to do in this instance in which a family has been united, they have set a goal for themselves that, oh, we will do this, we will do that, and after a while, things happened, the situation changed, the economy of the country as it is now, and then the, the woman says, you know what, I want to be living in UK now. The husband is a very senior person here in the country. But because of that dream, he also wants to follow um, the woman through, right? So he had to leave a satisfying job to go to UK. Of course, he's not a medical person. So he now starts to pick up hot jobs. He's falling sick over and over. Many weeks he will not be able to uh, go to work, bills are piling up, the two of them are suffering significantly, and the woman is still not seeing reason why maybe the man should actually go back to Nigeria and pick up his managerial role and all that. How do we approach this situation? How do we help these couples? Let me go first. Okay. So... And this scenario you just painted is happening all around, all around us. And sincerely, a lot of people are, have made terrible decisions because of this. So I think we have to be very careful with decisions. Uh, we need to test our decisions. As we grow, we tend to be more, we should be more careful about how we take decisions. When we are younger, of course, we take decisions, we know that we still have time to correct them. But when we have families, it's very important. Uh, we should be very, very careful. And I will say this. You know, in the course of our conversation, we talked about God has placed the man uh, to provide leadership in terms of direction and all that. I personally believe strongly in this. And for a man to be able to provide direction, he also has someone above him. Christ is the head of the man. So there's a need for us to always bring this to the attention of Christ. I have made a lot of decisions within my family. There are a lot of decisions we have battled with. But at the point of always making this decision, right, there's always something we used to talk about. We need to be sure God is leading us in this direction. So I think for the man, he has to be sure God is leading him. Even if, and I tell you, sometimes when women are, have made up their mind about something, it takes God to, to actually change that direction. But so I think the man needs to trust God. If God is leading him and he's saying, stay in Nigeria, by all means, stay. Just find ways to uh, get your wife's support. And then, see, God touches us 
whether man or woman. He has a way of touching our hearts. So that's what I would say. The man has a responsibility of providing leadership and direction, and he won't do it of his own accord. He's going to do it because God is leading him. Thank you. Sister Tony, do you want to chip in? No, praise the Lord. He's, he's very spot on. Prayer is key. Uh, can two work together except they agree? I mean, there are some decisions that, you know, you say non-essential tolerance. But that's a fundamental decision for a family. And there's got to be alignment on both sides. One of the things we do, you know, if I could share, is we, for fundamental decisions as a family, we both have to wait for each other, you know, to get to that point of alignment. But of course, there are other decisions that in non-essential tolerance. But prayer is also very important because that's where prayer brings insights and the leading as to, you know, whether you should go or you should not go. Sometimes it's very tricky. And I, I, it's a practical example. I have a number of junior proteges who are currently in that space because of the old Japa syndrome happening where one party wants to leave, the other is not. And I, I can tell you some of them are beginning to even become challenging even for the couple as well. And um, it, it, I, I just believe that there has to be alignment for those fundamental decisions while they are praying for God to either reveal or provide further insight. And God does answer. He speaks. It show, would show you the signals as to whether to go ahead or not for every true child of God that is genuinely seeking for his direction and leading. Thank you so much, uh, Sister Tony and uh, Barakola. Thank you, thank you very much.